Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of From the Runway Up. We're so glad that you joined us. We're excited about today's topic. We're going to be talking about general aviation, and we're going to have a special guest from a national organization that represents thousands of pilots all over the country. Yes, if you are a returning listener, we have talked about general aviation on this podcast before. You will know that here in Knoxville, we have Miggy Tyson Airport, which is our commercial airport. And then we also have Downtown Island Airport, which is our general aviation airport. And I believe we have a Downtown Island Airport episode. We'll link to that in the show notes. But we're going to take a different view. And we have a special guest, like Becky said, from a national organization. And that organization is an acronym. So no surprise there. Another acronym. (laughs) So we are going to hear from someone from AOPA, and that stands for Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. So today we are going to speak with Mike Ginter. He is the Vice President of Airports and State Advocacy for AOPA. And if after this interview you do not want to be a pilot, well, then something's wrong with you. Yeah, you haven't listened to this podcast for very long. It's really a good opportunity for you to learn more about the growing industry that is general aviation. And it's hard for us to say growing on some of these things with all the previous episodes we've had over the course of the year. So this is exciting, interesting news about some good things that are happening at our airport and around the country in general aviation. Thank you so much for joining us via Zoom today, and thank you for being on our podcast. First, can you just introduce yourself and your role with AOPA? Sure, and thank you for having me. My name is Mike Ginter, and I am the Vice President of Airports and State Advocacy for the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. And for those listeners that don't know about the organization, can you tell us a little bit about it, its size, its scope, what kind of resources it has for pilots and for other people who are interested in aviation? Sure. AOPA is uh, the largest aviation association in America, probably the world. We've got 330,000 members, all pilots and aircraft owners, and uh, we do everything we can to help build the pilot population, build the aviation community for general aviation. And for your listeners, uh, general aviation is pretty expansive. It covers everything from uh, small light sport airplanes and gliders up to business jets. And basically, the only thing it doesn't include is uh, the military and the commercial airline service. So we have a, a pretty broad waterfront of services for pilots, everything from training and safety to advocacy and and uh, a whole bunch of You Can Fly programs we can talk about later, what we're trying to do to help uh, build aviation in high schools with STEM programs. But it's a very broad organization headquartered in Frederick, Maryland. And you mentioned you have a lot of members. How do you become a member of AOPA? 
go to AOPA.org and either sign up online or call our uh, pilot information center and they'll be happy to make you a member very, very short, very quickly. It's a growing organization. We're growing every year. Well, and do you have to be an actual pilot to be a part of that group? No, no. I think most of our members are pilots, but we've got a bunch of members that are student pilots or people considering to to take flying lessons. And it, and that's one of the bright things about general aviation right now. The pilot population is actually growing for the last five or six years. Uh, for many, many years, the pilot population was decreasing due to many factors. As, as any pilot will, will know, life gets in the way sometimes of flying actively especially if you're just a general aviation pilot for recreation or fun purposes. And uh, a lot of those pilots come back after a while, when, maybe when the kids are out of school or whatever. But we have a growing pilot population, which is very exciting for general aviation. There was a very strong demand signal for airline pilots. There's always a strong demand signal for military pilots. And what most people don't know is you have to go through general aviation in order to get to the airlines or the military. And that's not 100% true. You can go to the military with no flight time and no experience. And uh, and a lot of my friends did that. I was a military pilot for 27 years. But it's just a great organization for everything you ever wanted to know about flying, uh, from purchasing airplanes, maintenance, regulations, medical, safety, legal support. We've got a vast legal support system. So it's a, it's a pretty neat organization. I would invite your listeners to log into AOPA.org and check us out. Well, and you mentioned that it's really growing, and we're seeing that in our local community, too. Uh, we own and operate McGee Tyson, which is also was at our commercial airport, but we also own and operate Downtown Island Airport, or DKX by its code, um, as a general aviation airport. And we just had a discussion with our manager this week about what's going on down there, and he mentioned that the flight schools, we've actually added a, an additional flight instructor down there. Uh, it's growing because he's finding that with the situation we find ourselves in with the COVID-19 pandemic, people have more time on their hands to do the things like a bucket list. They've always wanted to be a, right. a learn how to fly, or they're looking at different opportunities for careers because they have more options available. And so our flight schools are also seeing that demand at a local level as well. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we, We've seen uh, the same thing across the country. General aviation, uh, ever since the pandemic really, really kind of shut things down back in March and April, we all deal with that in our daily lives. General aviation has come back very strong. In fact, we think it's 30% higher now than it was a year ago. So before COVID levels, we're already exceeding what we did a year ago. So general aviation has bounced back just by looking at the operations counts at all the airports across the country. On any given day, there are more Cessna 172s flying than there are 737s, just as a, a data point. And on the flight schools that you mentioned, yeah, it's great. It's exciting. On the flight schools that you mentioned, we found that 60% of the flight schools we, we did a survey of, uh, 60% are reporting stronger business now than they had before COVID. And uh, we actually helped with our Aviation Safety Institute to prepare some protocols to help flight schools reopen and do it safely and, you know, wipe down the equipment and wear the masks and everything else. And, and it's just incredible demand signal for, for flight training right now. That is wonderful. And so that's kind of how general aviation was impacted by COVID, which those numbers are just unreal that you shared. But what role has general aviation played in the pandemic this past year? Well, a critical role is the answer. We have many members who have helped locally move personal protective equipment for COVID. We've had members move ventilators and masks and all kinds of supplies. We even have members who are working our own companies that help build some PPE 
there were aircraft manufacturers that uh, started building the plexiglass face shields using the same equipment and, uh, and materials they have to build airplanes. They, they produced these very quickly, and that was back in April, which was, uh, as you may remember, that was a very strong uh, need that had to be filled, and General Aviation stepped up and did that. So it's pretty exciting uh, to be in a part of the industry right now, and it's a big industry. General Aviation contributes $247 billion dollars annually as an economic impact and uh, over 275,000 workers in the industry. That's just general aviation. What I like best about general aviation is it's kind of the heart of aviation. It's the ability for individuals to make a difference. And you mentioned some of the things that people did during COVID, but that's not the first time that they've been like that. There are programs where animals are transported if they need to be. There are other kinds of medic flights if people need transportation to have treatment done. There are lots of programs that just show the heart of aviation through general aviation, in my opinion. Yeah, there's lots of ways they do that. We also saw an increase in operations because of people wanting to use general aviation aircraft to uh, answer their travel needs. A lot of people didn't feel comfortable traveling on the airlines early on. And we're, we're very confident that the airline industry will quickly bounce back as soon as with the rest of the COVID vaccines and everything are placed and rolled out widespread. But uh, many, many passengers chose to fly either charter or their own airplane or a friend's airplane to go somewhere. And that, that has increased the operations all over the country. So it's uh, it's been a pretty uh, interesting experience for general aviation. And, and, and dare I say, it's it's been great for the industry too because we bounce back very quickly. We don't we don't suffer some of the some of the challenges that, that are tragically being experienced in other sectors like restaurants and things like that. Well, and I would encourage our listeners um, to, like you said, visit your website because as I was researching um, topics for this podcast, I saw that the Civil Air Patrol is working to um, distribute vaccines. And so your website is very up to date with, you know, what the what the general aviation industry is doing to help. So I encourage our listeners definitely to, to visit your website. We would love we would love the visitors. It's great. And and for those who uh, visit the website, there's many different s- segments of this industry you can you can dive into through our website. Strongly encourage listeners to uh, check out our Aviation Safety Institute page. Lots of stuff going on with tracking safety statistics. Uh, and that's a good news story as well. Aviation is increasingly more safe. I think just since the 90s, uh, we were able to cut down the accident and fatality rate by more than 50%. And so the accident rate is still going down while the activity levels are going up. So it's like a double positive. We're all about the good news stories. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Mike, if you don't mind, can you talk about where you or your organization sees us going in 2021? And even I know that what you talk about for commercial aviation, that recovery looks like to be 2023, 24. Um, it's obviously much quicker with general aviation, as you've already stated. But where do you see things going? Well, we're very bullish on general aviation here at AOPA, as you can imagine. We think it's going to continue to grow, and there's many barometers you can look to. One is the general aviation aircraft sales. Uh, If you are in the market for an airplane today, it is very hard to find a good value. In other words, I mean, you find the value, but you cannot find it cheaply. It is uh, a seller's market, I guess is the right way to say it. Yeah. 20% of our members are currently shopping for or intend to buy an aircraft. And 30% of our members have either had a major engine overhaul or an avionics upgrade over the last year. And that just points to a very strong industry in all sectors. So the maintenance is uh, strong. The avionics sales are up. 
even there, there are some aircraft manufacturers that recently reported no new aircraft for sale because they're sold out. So demand is is starting to outstrip supply, which is just a great situation in the business world, right? And and of course, in uh, in McGee Tyson, you all are very familiar with Cirrus Aircraft. Right. And they've got a fantastic facility down there where they're delivering many airplanes a day and uh, to, to brand new customers. And those are brand new airplanes. So it's just a very exciting time for general aviation. But to answer your question, I think we see a continued growth in general aviation. I think we'll see more and more pilots finishing their licenses and getting additional ratings. We'll, we'll, I think we'll see continued improvements in safety, mostly due to training and new technology in the cockpit. Uh, I think we'll see uh, aircraft manufacturers continue to recover and, and continue to grow out of out of the pandemic. And we'll see general aviation serve more communities, continue to serve more communities. It has all throughout the pandemic. So it's we see very lots of green lights in front of us. Well and circling back to something that we talked about earlier, um, I guess my brain just just came up with questions just um, but you talked about we talked about how flight schools are just super packed. You know, DKX, they are booked. I think Becky, the manager said a few months out, which is wonderful. Have any of those flight training schools gone virtual during the pandemic? I don't know if I don't know if I have a lot of knowledge or data on that. I know that uh, there are some of my colleagues in my office, for example, that are doing a virtual ground school. So that can be done virtually. Of course, that that's not just COVID. The ground schools uh, have been you know, you have to complete a pretty rigorous ground school and training uh, regimen to take the written test as part of getting your pilot's license. Uh, so that can be done virtually. It has been done virtually for decades. I mean, there's all kinds of CDs out there and online resources uh, through many different companies. But the actual flight training part itself is not, it's almost impossible to be virtual because you got to get in the cockpit and fly with an instructor or fly solo and do all that stuff. And of course, again, not not due to COVID, but the advances in flight simulator technology are exciting because there's plenty of of opportunity now to to log your instrument approaches on an advanced training device. So a simulator, but it's got to be the right kind of simulator, and that's that's a virtual thing. But again, not not just due to COVID. Well, and for those listeners that have just maybe found this podcast, we say welcome, but you might not be as up on aviation and, and know what's required to become a pilot, but might be interested in it. So can you tell us a little bit about, you mentioned a test, you mentioned some other things. What is the process of people who are interested in possibly becoming a pilot? So, um, and there are plenty of people out there like that. The process is fairly straightforward. I would certainly recommend getting on AOPA.org and look at some of the flight training parts of the website. There's one specifically called You Can Fly for those listeners that want to learn more about it. And it, it talks the uh, viewer through all the whole process. And generally, the process to become a private pilot is it takes 40 hours of flight time, of which I believe 30 has to be dual with, a dual instruction with an instructor and 10 is solo. There's a ground training portion of that. I think it's the ground school that, that will prepare you for the written test. You got to pass a written test uh, with the FAA. So you pass the written test, you complete the 40 hours of flight training, and then you take a check ride with an FAA designated examiner. And that's basically it. The time to do that could range from there are some extremely accelerated courses out there. You can get your license in a month, but that's basically if you can dedicate your whole month to that. That's not the norm. 
but uh, I would say four to eight months is a fairly normal time to get your license if you really set aside two or three days a week, I mean, maybe a couple of weekend days and an evening to do ground school. It took me as a young high school kid about uh, two years to get my license. And that was 100% because I would wait to get a paycheck from the grocery market where I was bagging groceries. And then I'd go take a, a one or two flying lessons with that. And I have to wait two weeks to get my next paycheck. And, and so mine was limited by a, a 17 year old's uh, you know, a quantity of money coming in on each paycheck. Yeah, that's <laughs> so a the great passion. The passion was there. The resources were not as a young kid. But it's very, uh, and another thing I would recommend to to anybody listening is if you really think you want to try it out, go out to your local airport, go out to the Island Airport or or McGee Tyson uh, and uh, go ask, go go to one of the flight schools and ask for a discovery flight or an orientation flight. And there's no preparation required in front of that. You just go out and and call them up, make a schedule an appointment and I'm sure you'll have to wear a mask and do all that stuff. But that flight might be 40, 45 minutes, and you're going to be with a certified flight instructor, and they'll actually put you in the left seat of the airplane as if you're the student, and it's just to show you what it's all about. And my personal experience is a majority of people will come away from that with such a huge level of excitement, and I can do this, confidence, that they'll go right into scheduling their first lessons and start the ground school program and get into it. Others might find that maybe it didn't it didn't really suit them and they don't want to do it. But that's the first step is go take an orientation flight and see what it's all about. And any flight school can give you give you one of those. It's very reasonably priced. I'm with you, Mike. I think that if you just got in the cockpit and they told you about it, that as soon as you got off the plane, you'd be walking in to set your first class to learn how to do it. It's just there, contagious. There are <laughs> stories like that all over the pilot community about how they got the spark uh, lit. And uh, as any pilot will tell you, the passion is a very deep passion. And uh, once you get going into flying, it can help you in business. It can help you travel to travel to see family members in other states or just do it for fun. I mean, there's plenty of pilots that will buy airplanes that are optimized just for one or two seats to enjoy on a Sunday afternoon and fly low and slow or go visit a nice little backcountry airport or put the floats on and go land in a lake and just have all kinds of fun. That might make me a little nervous landing in the lake, but otherwise I was with you up till that point. (laughs) Well, you should try it. You should try it. (laughs) Well, and I think our our listeners probably agree. And every single guest pretty much that we've had on this podcast, you can tell that pilot or not, they're in the aviation industry and they have so much passion Mm -hmm. about what they do. And, And it is, it's contagious. It really is. And of course, we're hoping that post-COVID, we, we, I'm certain we'll see a strong comeback in the air shows around the country. So many air shows had to be canceled, which is just a crying shame. Uh, and there are several large uh, aviation events. AOPA hosts fly-ins uh, throughout the year at different places around the country. Unfortunately, we had to cancel all of those last year. There's also major aviation events. There's one in Florida called Sun and Fun. There's one up in Wisconsin called Oshkosh uh, Air Venture. And uh, those events, uh, we're really hopeful, don't have a big detriment this year. They can, they can happen as scheduled because I tell you, there's a lot of pent-up demand in the pilot community. And oh, the, few, the few events that I went to in 2020, just in the latter part of the year, that were able to be held because we were able to satisfy the COVID rules, it was a capacity crowd. I mean, the COVID may have set the capacity, but it was a, it was a full capacity of airplanes flying in for a flying event or a, a pancake breakfast or, or whatever it was. And there's a lot of pent-up demand. And every pilot listening will, will agree with me that we can't wait for 
the air show and flying season to come back full force. Because that's how aviation actually got started. Everybody coming together. It was the small planes before the big planes. And that's how people came together as part of their community. It was a part of the way they shared life. So I, I always have a, a passion for general aviation. Sure. Well, I got to tell you, I mentioned my, my title is Vice President of Airports and State Advocacy, which is in our AOPS Government Affairs Division. You know, we have this uh, strong passion in aviation. And I have the honor of working with AOPA's regional managers, seven of them throughout the country. And our focus is to help airports grow and thrive and, uh, or sometimes help them survive. And uh, we are very active around the country, help the owners of airports, sponsors they're called, uh, Metro Knoxville Airport Authority is the sponsor for your two airports. And we help those sponsors with strategies and, and uh, help to fix whatever may be wrong that's preventing them from getting FAA funding or help the sponsor. Sometimes the sponsor might be a county or a small town and maybe not as exquisitely trained and experienced as Patrick Wilson, you know, the president of the MKAA, who's a great guy. And uh, we didn't we even help make those you sponsors. say that, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. I, that is... We're going to clip that out and put that on our evaluation. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but we work with sponsors all over the country to help them with their airports. And sometimes we have to help our members fight to save their airports. And we do that all over the country. It's part of our advocacy work for our members. And that's that keeps us very busy. And uh, it actually, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons we take such a great interest in uh, the island airport, McGee-Tyson, is the uh, airport authority and, and the commission invited AOPA and our president, Mark Baker, down in October to uh, have a chat with the commission and talk about some of the bright spots of general aviation, all the things I just mentioned here. And it was a part of the of beginning of a strategic planning process that Patrick Wilson is, is leading uh, for the two airports. And it's very exciting to see that. Uh, we were thrilled to be asked to be brought in and help, and we continue to be a resource to Patrick and his team. And uh, we think it's got the Island Airport, especially. It's such a great, great little airport right there near the near the downtown urban wilderness, and and it's perfectly suited to continue serving the community, which I know is important to the to the airport authority, and uh, and it does so uh, very well now. But just a bright, bright future, and and he's exactly the right leader to help lead that transformation, which is great. We kind of like him too. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. No, it was actually after that presentation that it was super interesting information. And that's what, what led us to want to have AOPA talk on our podcast. Because if it interests sure. us, we think that it will probably interest our listeners. And hopefully it does. Sure. Well, we do that that business for airports. And uh, I think I mentioned the state advocacy part. We've I don't know if we have any specific bills working in Tennessee right now other than funding. We always try to help the states with general aviation friendly budgets, which is always challenging this time, you know, with with, uh, with so many uh, impacts to state budgets and local budgets you know, due to COVID. But uh, at a national level, we're very active with helping our pilots with things like extending their medical certificates in uh, federal aviation regulations, special FARs to help them extend their uh, their medicals. We're, uh, we were working very closely with members of Congress to make sure there's additional funding for airports. As your listeners may or may not know, the vast majority of funding for airports and aviation comes from the Airport and Airway Trust Fund, which is funded by fuel taxes, jet fuel tax and avgas fuel tax, which is really kind of neat. General aviation and, and aviation overall pays for itself through taxes. You know, it's the best form of user fees, right? Which we yeah. don't like. You know, we the, the more you fly, the more you pay a tax and 
and the more money goes into the system. And the system is well-funded. But uh, we helped get some extra funding in some of the CARES Act bill that came out back in, was it April or May, and uh, to, to get to bring more funding for airports, because it is a challenging time for a lot of airports. I know McGee Tyson's probably seeing a, a drop in the commercial service, just like they are across the nation. Yeah. And uh, so we're, we're working very hard to help airports do that. Well, and to be clear to the people listening, when he talks about a tax, it's not a tax that you as a taxpayer pay. It's a user tax, meaning if you don't fly, then you don't pay it. And it's a little different than a lot of other things. So that's what he means when he says that aviation is kind of self-supportive in that way in regards to we pay for what we use. It's actually one of the FAA's goals that airports be as self-sufficient as possible. And it's certainly our goal, Uh, an airport that's self-sufficient. And sometimes, uh, you know, very healthily self-sufficient is a huge asset to the community. When you think about all the services that an airport brings to a small community with law enforcement or firefighting or medical ambulance or, you know, maybe maybe it's the businesses there with multiple flight schools and, you know, aircraft manufacturers, like I mentioned with Cirrus, you know, delivering their aircraft. It's a huge economic impact. And we encourage airport sponsors all over the country to look at their airport as a magnet for growth. And if they do that, they will see long-term benefit in their community. And every community that's done that, and I know that's happened in Knoxville, it's fantastic. It's one of our better examples. If you invest in the airports and make the airport a magnet for growth, then the airport doesn't become a speed bump to growth. And as development occurs, then people want to look at the airport and close it because they'd rather build condos. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> so so anyway, it's, a, it's an exciting time for general aviation. I've been a pilot for 41 years, and I can't imagine any other life than what I've done, the one I've had. Well, thank you, Mike. Is there anything else before we wrap up today that you would want a, our listeners to know about your organization or about general aviation in general? Well, I'd say check out AOPA.org. Go take a discovery flight if you're not a pilot. If you are a pilot, finish, uh, you know, stay current, stay healthy, stay safe. Use us as your resource for anything from legal to medical to safety and government advocacy, whether it's state or federal. And uh, we're here to help. We are all about protecting our freedom to fly. Well, thank you, Mac. So thank you, Mike, for joining us. I know that I enjoyed listening to all that you had to talk about. And I learned something about all the resources that are available. I knew that AOPA was a wonderful organization and it had thousands of members. But I didn't realize that you don't even have to be a pilot to be a part of it. You just have to be someone who's interested in aviation. And they have so many resources available for people to to get into that field if you're even thinking about it. Absolutely. I think Mike's interview was just refreshing to hear some good that is that is happening and some growth in the industry this year. And Mike really broke it down that, you know, becoming a pilot isn't that difficult and that that hard to do. You just have to take time and you just have to have some passion for it. And so I think our listeners, you go away with visit their website take a discovery flight and see if becoming a pilot is for you. And it is a growing industry, even with what we are facing with right now, they are looking for people to fill those shoes of people who are retiring either in commercial fleets or uh, with cargo. We didn't even get into that. I mean, there's lots of opportunities outside of just general aviation where becoming a pilot is really crucial to the future success of our industry. So we encourage you to get out and learn more. You can learn all about Mike and about AOPA by visiting our website at fromtherunwayup.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we hope that you'll join us next time.